This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, it looks like we need to get used to paying more at the grocery store. Uh, our doctor food expert, Sylvain Charlebois, is back on the Shift to update us on why prices are soaring and how the pandemic is changing the way Canadians eat. On What the Hell Should We Watch This Weekend, Steve Stebbing reviews the biopic based on the life of Tammy Faye Baker. That looks interesting. Plus, a good look at Nick Cage's foray into the samurai post-apocalyptic movies because he loves, uh, well, Nicolas Cage, for that matter. Plus, our Donald Trump impersonator claims victory in the election, the Canadian election. That hasn't even happened yet. And we introduce you to him personally with NEP. Three and a half sleeps until the federal election comes here in Canada on September 20th, 2021. It's hard to believe that it's our... What's this? Oh, is this the bat line ringing? What's what's going on? Let's... I don't know. That sounds like an American... Okay, so, uh, hi, it's The Shift. Hello, Shane. This is Donald Trump, and I would like to officially accept the nomination as Canada's next prime minister. Wow. Uh Okay. Uh, hey, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Trump, the 47th president of the United States. So you, the election's on Monday, sir. That's fake news. No, it's not. I'm the prime minister elect, they call it. That's what they call it. That is that. That's really, hey, okay. Okay. Well, you know what? I appreciate you phoning in. I think you might have misunderstood uh, about um, why you're here. I, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Trump. You're here now with us, uh, so let's... I'm really surprised by your phone call. You can't be prime minister and president at the same time, just so you know. You know that, right? Well, I'm not the president anymore. I'm the prime minister. I took this new job. Quite frankly, it okay. might be a lot better. All right. Okay, fair enough. Okay, good point. While you're here, so how about some insight and expertise um, with with our election, because it hasn't quite happened yet. So can you humor me about this and, and maybe help me out a little bit? About the election, Shane, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what the hell's going on, okay? Okay, good. I see people, they're crying, you know, they're whining, they're doing all these nasty things. And I think, you know, I think I should just win the whole thing, the whole thing. All right. Um, well, let's look, can we refresh you? Because I, I really do appreciate your experience here. Um, let, let me refresh you with what's gone on in the Canadian election, and then we'll get your input uh, here. So here's a summary for you to get caught up. So what do you think? You deserve a say. Because this is your moment. I have expectations of us running a positive campaign. Isn't there a hospital you should be going to bother right now? Every Canadian has met a Justin Trudeau in their lives. Privileged, entitled, and always looking out for number one. You have to be honest with Canadians. I'm not very much interested in leading Canada. However, I am very much interested in making sure that Quebec is entitled to its own vision for the future. And I, and I meant it when I said you can't take a knee one day if you're going to take Indigenous kids to court the next. He'll say anything to try and get elected. It's nice to want to educate This me. is my time, sir. It is. So nice time to insult people. That was not an insult. It was an invitation to educate yourself. Why deliver it when you can just campaign on it? You'll forgive me if I don't think about monetary policy. Wow. 
Um, okay, so we have Donald J. Uh, Trump here on on the shift, the 47th president of the United States. Sir, do you feel refreshed now with that little recap? You know, I feel refreshed with absolute stupidity. Are you kidding me? I mean, those were a bunch of jokers, a bunch of jokers, I call them, okay? I don't think any one of those people have a shot at winning. I don't think so at all, especially not Justin. All right, Um Okay, so I don't know if you know this, but the uh, Barack Obama actually sent out a tweet today endorsing Justin Trudeau for prime minister. Where, where does that land with you? You know, I think Obama's gotten everything wrong on, you know, anything. You look at any policies ever had, any statement, it's fake news and it's terrible. Let me tell you, it's terrible. That's what I call it. And I don't think okay. Justin would be a great. Okay. Okay. I, you're this is like this is fantastic. Thank you for the insight. But I was wondering because you did say that you want to be the uh, president again. So maybe you can just be prime minister for a little while, then you can quit and be president of the United States or something like that. But I, I sort of, uh, Mr. Trump, I do some public speaking things, and I was wondering if I could maybe help you with your campaigning for what's next for you. Would that be all right if I helped you out? You know, you know, I think I'm already perfect, but you know, I'd be willing to try. I could be, I, I don't know, I could be like your Rudy Giuliani, the guy who's there to take care of you. You could, you could. We'll see. I guess we'll see. All right. So here's some phrases that I think that could really soften the way that you go about politics. Are you ready for this? Yes. Repeat after me. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I was wrong. I was absolutely correct, and you know it, and everybody knows it. I'm privileged and entitled. Frankly, I'm probably one of the most humble people you'll ever meet, you know? We will do this to help the rest of the world. We're going to make this country great again. We're going to make America great, or Canada for that matter. Everybody deserves a fair shot to be rich one day. Look, there's people, they don't, you know, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. Like Justin, he's one of those people, okay? There's nothing more important than the health of everybody. There's nothing more important than building walls in the economy, frankly. I'm sorry for interrupting. Please, your turn. I have no regrets for interrupting. And frankly, I'd love to do it again. <laughs> Okay, well, clearly this has worked, sir. Um, you have three days to campaign to be president of Canada. Uh, are, are you are you sitting excited? This is, I mean, this could be your last chance at leadership. You know, I'm excited. I came on here already thinking I was the prime minister, and frankly, you know, I was wrong, I guess. But I'm excited. I think I think we're going to do a great job. I think we're going to make Canada great again. This is the Shift Podcast. Uh, Donald J. Trump here uh, on the shift uh, is a, a guy named Nap. And why not introduce you to him now? He works as a voice actor and uh, he's a young fella. Um, Nap, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So now you get to hear the voice behind the guy. So do me a favor and say, uh, just so people can hear the contrast who are just joining us and didn't hear what we just did. So do me a favor. Uh, uh, tell me where you live in your normal voice. I live in the U.S. in the state of Indiana. Cool. Now, if you were to say, um, uh, my name is uh, Donald J. Uh, Trump, 
I am the new president of Canada. Say that in your in your in your Trump voice. Hello, folks. I am Donald J. Trump, and I am officially the brand new president of Canada. <laughs> it's remarkable. So Ryan found Nep um, through some videos, and it was uh, uh, TikTok videos and such, wasn't it? From the yep. Twitch stream, yeah, right, yeah. And so you would go in Nep, and you would sort of play these video games and stream it, but. Mm-hmm. My understanding is sort of, you know, people would be like, come on, man, get out of the way. And then you'd, in your voice, you'd be like, I'll get out of the way when Hillary releases their emails. And you would play these games full on Trump voice. Is that how it really got mm-hmm. rolling? Yeah. Um, I just, I figured out I could do a pretty good Trump impression. And I love playing video games. So I just started combining them and I'd go into lobbies and people get mad at me and I'd start saying stuff back at them like, you know, you're real low energy. You're probably doing the worst out of everybody here in the game. And just to get a rise out of people, and I started recording it. And there it is. How old are you? 19. Have you ever been interested in politics, or has this been something that's, you, as you've come in and come into this world a little bit, it's raised your awareness about how silly politics can be? Yeah, I, I kind of realized uh, growing up in high school, basically, uh, that politics, I think, is stupid. Um, you know, to some, obviously... Politics can be important, but at least in comedy, um, you know, in most forms of comedy, I don't think there's a place for it. So I, I, um, I try to stay out of it personally, but mm-hmm. um, which is kind of hard when you're doing a voice of one of the most controversial people in America. But, you know, yeah, I, I manage somewhat. Yeah, that's cool. So you um, you did recently that um, that app for directions and, and maps and stuff. Can you tell mm-hmm. us what that is? Yeah, so I use the Waze GPS app to uh, create a Donald Trump GPS where turn left uh, in a quarter of a mile, make a left. And he tells you where to go and how to get around. And um, if you want to find that, you can actually find that on my TikTok account, which is at the NEP. Cool. And we'll post that link up, too, for our Facebook, uh, the Shift Radio Show Facebook group, too. So uh, the NEP is pretty much most of the underscore NEP, K-N-E-P, is pretty much access to most of your socials? Yep, yep. At T-H-E-K-N-E-P on TikTok. You can find all my socials there. Yep. That's a great way to do it. Well, man, we really appreciate your effort. You've put a lot of work into helping us out here. We'll bring you back happily. But I figured since it was the end of the election cycle coming up on Monday for us, uh, for you to be here and introduce you to everybody because I've received so many emails of people saying, hey, how do I find this guy's socials and all those things? So this, to me, is the best way in your own words. But thanks for the hard work, brother. I really appreciate it. You've been a great Yeah, sport. thank you guys for having me. This has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, there you go. It's uh, NEP for you, uh, our Donald J. Drump. Uh, do you want to wish Canadians luck in your uh, Trump voice for what's coming with our federal election on Monday? I'd like to wish you folks luck, and I hope to God you vote for me. Donald J. Trump, okay? It's the Shift Podcast. Well, one topic we've spoken an awful lot about during the election has been cost. Just cost. Cost of this, cost of that. Where are things going? And in our chat with Dan McTagg yesterday, Dan was talking about energy prices, so it only seems appropriate that we talk about the one thing that all of us have in common as well, and that would be food. Sylvain Charlebois. Uh, the fancy doctor, is joining us here, uh, the, the food doctor. Ooh, that could be a thing, Sylvain. We could call you the food doctor. I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially when food prices go up. <laughs> right? You're like the weatherman of the food prices. Uh, like the weatherman show where he's walking down the street and someone throws a 
throws a drink at him because he got the forecast wrong. Yeah. Um, but in talking about food, that's kind of what you do. What are we looking at? Uh, I've noticed that things are, are, I've really noticed it now. And Melanie had a picture in her grocery cart from the grocery store. There was four items and said that one was strawberries. This is what $20 buys you today in Canada's grocery stores. It's a lot. Yeah. And that doesn't include the cart. It's yeah, just the yeah. things in the cart. That's right. The yeah. 25 cents for the cart even. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I must say, Shane, I mean, I've been watching the uh, the elections and uh, I was quite shocked to to hear the words food inflation a few times. I mean, uh, typically you don't hear much about food prices during an election, but this time around it is top of mind for a lot of people just because people are noticing <laughs> that prices are going up at the grocery store, and they are going up. I mean, the uh, federal agency, StatsCan, is telling us that prices are up 2.7%. We believe it's much higher than that, and, and we are expecting that percentage to go up in September and, and October, and that's probably driven mostly by meat prices. Um, bakery, uh, we're seeing some higher prices uh, in uh, vegetables as well. Center of the store, I mean, peanut butter is actually up 3% for the first time in many years. So you can see that really inflation is impacting many sections of the grocery store. And so that's why a lot of people are talking about it. Can you guys source in your uh, food panels that do all these prices and forecasting, can you source individually causes in this because i really don't know we've spoken so many times but at the same time i mean we have containers are expensive gas is expensive while diesel is expensive labor has gone up in in cost too with workers getting more money or having to bring in more workers i mean there are so many pieces there can you even get into that when when you guys at dalhousie do your food work yes it's a it's a great question shane because forecasting is not easy. Uh, I mean, you're talking about the weather. I mean, forecasting is just not easy at all. Uh, but we, we, we do work with three other universities, Guelph, University of Saskatchewan, and UBC. And all of us, we have different models, different machine learning models. And we've been accurate most of the time, just because our models are accurate. So our models will say prices will go up by 3%. The trick is to understand why, <laughs> why, yeah. why is the model telling us 3% or 4% or 5%? That's really the trick. And so you kind of have to hypothesize a little bit and, and understand what, what is going on. And, and I would say right now, uh, there are three drivers uh, that we've been pointed. One is climate. I mean, uh, right, you, you probably saw the headlines over the summer, heat waves, droughts, Canada, the U.S., Russia, uh, floodings, uh, floods in, in Europe as well. So we are expecting the, uh, the, the we are expecting harvest in, in the northern hemisphere not to be uh, not to be strong, unfortunately. So inventories will be lower. And that's why. Input costs are going up for processors, grains, uh, wheat, canola, all of them are up. Feeding livestock is more expensive, which is why meat is more expensive. So that's one piece. The second piece is logistics. It's costing more to move anything around the world. That's going to last for a while, uh, whether it's on water, on soil, doesn't matter. Uh, energy costs are going up. And so uh, that's going to be an impact 
that's going to be a factor. And the last one is labor. I mean, right now, when you look at some of the things happening across North America, some unions are actually settling uh, disputes um, with an increase of 30% over, over three years, 30%. So great for them. Wages are going up. Great for employers or employees. But at some point, consumers are going to have to pay for that. So what I hear, I mean, just to sort of take the lens of the election is it's not really the government's fault directly, but kind of indirectly, it all leans back to policy and the way things have been uh, done and handled over the last couple of years. Is that fair? I think it is is fair. unfair? No, it is fair. I mean, uh, Canada is not an an isolated case. Uh, Most of the Western world is impacted by what's happening. Now, what governments can do is react to what's going on around the world, react to what's happening. If you look at uh, climate, for example, I mean, you, you need to support your farmers, you need to invest in control environment, agriculture and irrigation systems. I mean, there's things you can do uh, with, um, with transportation. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a global issue. I'm not sure a government can do anything, but with labor, of course, uh, some things can be done like automation, like robotics, stabilizing costs for manufacturers, uh, making sure that uh, really uh, processors have a shot, have, have had having access to really great technologies. Because right now, they, they'd rather give 30 per, 30% over three years than, than relook their models and see how they can better use robotics and automation moving forward. And so you want it, you want a government to come, come in and say, but it's unpopular. I'm sure you can appreciate chain. It's pretty unpopular for a government to in, incentivize companies to get rid of jobs. Governments yeah. tend to do the opposite, but that's a really tough conversation to have, and the government should have a conversation with the food industry about that. Well, and the price of diesel, I suppose, hasn't really changed too much, uh, which would be a driving factor, excuse the pun, on yeah. what is all things to do with delivery, because, I mean, I drive a diesel SUV, so the price has gone up maybe two cents, so it hasn't been a whole lot. Okay, that's interesting. But you you talked about meat. And one of the things that I've heard here, I have some farmer friends that feed for this winter is the big concern and flooding the market with meat. Now, does that work in the favor of the consumer if all of a sudden there's a few thousand extra cows that can't be afford to be kept and fed so they're getting put into the system a little earlier than they thought they would be? It's exactly what happened in 2014. Exactly the same thing. Input costs went up, feed costs went up, cattle producers got rid of their herds because it was costing too much for them to keep. So when what happens, inventories get lower, prices do go up. So we are expecting prices to go even even higher. So right now, so far in 2021, since January, beef prices have gone up 12%. Um, Chicken prices have gone up, and chicken is a big one, chicken 10.6%, and that's supply managed. Supply man, so it should be stable. You're looking at a two, three percent a year with chicken. Now we're up ten point six. That's a lot. Pork is up about five percent, but but mainly the reason is all about feed costs. And so absolutely, producers 
So supply management chicken, they'll continue to feed their chickens because they're compensated properly. But for cattle and hogs, they'll try to get rid of their animals as soon as possible, especially cattle, because it's a two-year cycle. Yeah, and you keep them for it. So it's a long ball Hail Mary of a commitment too, right? Yeah. Uh, even with health and veterinary and all the other things that come with it, you've got to keep that animal healthy for two years in order but to get there too. The, the one thing, Shane, though, that uh, that makes me laugh or makes me cringe is to actually hear people, oh, it's supply and demand. It's, it's the laws of supply and demand. The laws of supply and demand really don't impact food prices or retail. It's way more complicated than that because – even though uh, prices, beef prices have gone up 10, 12% so far this year, demand for beef has gone down 6%. Demand for chicken has gone down 12%. Demand for pork this summer went down 17%. So consumers are becoming more frugal. They're walking away from the meat counter. And they're looking for different options because uh, because of the pandemic, they've cooked more. They're more food literate. They've tried different things beyond the meat counter. So they're not afraid, unlike 2014, to venture beyond the meat counter. That's really what's going on right now. I would say that's true for my family, that we probably don't use as much meat. We most certainly don't get the fancy steaks as often as we would and we start to get some alternative cuts and i mean last you know, weekend i actually went out i have we have four kids here i went out to get some t- steaks for the barbecue i was looking at a hundred dollar bill just for yeah. the steaks that's crazy it's crazy yeah huh. so people well, so are, ha- are spooked now yeah well having four kids is also crazy <laughs> i'm just <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I'm kind of kidding. Um, we don't deal with cur- the same plumbers. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you uh, have more courage than um, more courage than I do, Sylvain. <laughs> okay, so when we look at all this, you know, should we be? You've said you've heard it in the election. I've heard it a little bit, but we haven't heard it a lot. We hear cost of housing, we hear affordability, we hear those things, but we don't hear food. It's you know one thing we have in common where. Um, I always get a kick out of it when you get an invite and someone will say, hey, Sylvain, I want to have lunch tomorrow. And we always answer, um, you know, well, I eat lunch most every day, right? So, um, but yet we don't talk about food the same way. And yet it is impacting our prices to the point about the $20 in the grocery cart. It was four items, one of which was a handful of berries. So do we need to be more aware of these things in general and, and maybe throw a bit of a temper tantrum as consumers? Or as you've described, maybe we've already started with meat. Well, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but it is what it is. Uh, I mean, Canada, in terms of food affordability in the world, we're number 18. The U.S. is number one. Singapore is number two. We're number 18 in terms of the most affordable food basket in the world relative to income. We're not doing too badly. But here's what's going on right now. There are many changes, and we are facing a bit of a perfect storm. And, and it, but it's not just Canada; it's the Western world. Uh, and so we're going to have to get accustomed to higher prices. So instead of spending, I don't know, nine, ten percent of your budget on food, uh, I would say by 2025 you may be looking at 12, 13 percent. So it is going to hurt. But it's all about recalibrating your own budget, really. And uh, and frankly, I don't see how it's going to reverse or it's going to change anytime soon. What about organics? What a conversation it was a couple of years ago. 
the organics counter was big and bold at the grocery store. <laughs> and now you can't, like, it's hard to tell and distinguish when you're picking up an item if it's organic or not unless you closely read the label. Have we lost an appetite? for organics in general or has the marketing just waned or is it the cost issue have you noticed anything there there's demand for organics but it, it has stalled uh, i mean and, and 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 frankly prices are much higher typically and because uh, people are generally trading down not up right now uh, it, it gives less of a chance but the one thing that is happening though is that the margin between organics and conventional food is shrinking. So if people were tempted uh, to buy organics and couldn't afford it, now it's in reach because organics have always been a premium product. Production production practices haven't changed all that much. So that's kind of what's going on right now with, with organics in general. So you just terrified me for a second. Why? Well, because you said organics were here and non-organics were here. I always think of something like simple like carrots, something like that. Um, but is, is it because this price of the non-organics is catching up and going up? Or is it because the price of organics is actually just getting cheaper? Because that's no, it or, sucks. Or the, the price point for organics it, has remained somewhat the same. But non-conventional or, 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 or conventional uh, products, if you will, yeah. Are are catching up, basically. That's, that's very scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Dad, dad, question then. How do you cook your steaks? Oh, as are as you... it's blue. Oh, really? Oh, it's hey? even it's even rarer than rare. Oh yeah. Really? What about you? Oh yeah, I'm more of a medium rare. I I don't mind the the uh, I don't like the blue because I do like it to be warm. Um, but I mean, steak tartare is, is one of my favorite dishes. Really? So, hey? Yeah. Well, so, there you it's, go. It, so it's raw. Like I love anything raw. I'm a raw foodist. <laughs> really? Hey? Wow. Yeah. Expose here with Sylvain Charlebois <laughs> uh, about it. Love the insight. And um, this is really important for us to know when we, you know, we might not get conversation in the election about food per se, but when we are armed with this information about the cost of food, we can listen to affordability conversations differently. We can listen to the cost of housing a little bit differently because it allows us to think of that. What you just said, you know, if we're at 10% of our budget now, 12, 13%, maybe here in a couple of years, we can start looking at that going, okay, well, maybe I can't afford that house or that car if I've got to make sure that I'm not eating Mr. Noodles and Ichiban every night. Exactly, exactly. And so uh, people will ask themselves questions. But I mean, you're right, uh, Shane, uh, I, I, we never talk enough about food during an election. But my expectations are frankly, pretty low. Hmm. So I don't expect in 35 days, uh, parties are looking for scandals, uh, photo ops, uh, you know, it's all about rebuttals and debates. And uh, there's no time for food, unfortunately. Which is really, which is sad. It is sad. It is so sad because, I mean, you want to talk about healthy humans in our, in our communities. It all starts there, right? Access to food and, um, and just good food. You don't even have to do the organic kind. Just make it be cheaper to buy a carrot than a cheeseburger, I suppose, from a fast food joint. <laughs> there That's was amazing. a debate actually uh, amongst parties, a national debate amongst parties on agriculture and food. Uh, it was hosted by the Western producer, I believe. Uh, it happened last week, just before the English debate, and it was pretty good. I, 
but only 254 people attended. Wow. I'm one of them. <laughs> so well, it goes to show we need to start the conversation. I was disappointed and make it not to see you there, Shane. I, I was yeah, I didn't know what was happening. I'm I'm disappointed to not get my invite to be your date. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much for making time for us this week. I know you have a busy week and you got to get to class right away here. So, um, I appreciate it, um, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois with Dalhousie, um, and you'll be proud of me. I golfed in an agriculture golf tournament this week. So, hey, go. good for you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the time, brother. Take care. This is the Shift Podcast. It is time for us to plant some roots, man. Sit down and get lazy. We need to Steve Stebbing and chill. What the hell should we watch this weekend? I like it. So, stevestebbing.ca <laughs> is the website. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Steve, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Shane? I am good. It has been a week, and here we are. And I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, because there have been uh, so many great shows. I feel like I have declared to the world my love for Downton Abbey, and that has taken hey. over my life. Nice. Um, it's a good one. Even though the money heist has new episodes out, <laughs> and I haven't it's... finished my last season of Outlander. It's lots, <laughs> Those man. are solid. It's all solid. I mean, with money heist, uh, you're probably savoring the last ones because this is the end. Is it? There's no more. Yeah, this is the end. Okay. This is the last installment of that one. Uh, okay. Downton Abbey. I mean, solid stuff. Um, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of all the the Dan Stevens years of that show. Uh, of course, uh, he ends up leaving the show, but um, huge fan of him. And uh, I mean, the, the ensemble of that show is amazing. And uh, mm -hmm. Outlander, another solid choice. Another uh, a hit on the W Network. The the audience there loves that one. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'm actually at the point where uh, Dan Stevens leaves the show. Not mm -hmm. to, um, not to uh, so give good. any uh, any hooks here of what's or spoilers, if you will. Um, but boy, was he ever fantastic on there too! Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know what's neat about watching these shows? Um, what was the um, oh the Irish mob show that was just out? The um, the boys, uh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Uh, listening to those actors. Mm -hmm. not do those characters because you know with dan stevens and his character in downton abbey and then the other characters from peaky blinders play other like totally different roles <laughs> it's kind of mind-blowing including from downton abbey the um the original mrs bates the first mrs bates who um who came back the dreadful mean one and mm -hmm. she was the same as from outlander she was the blind aunt from outlander and all the different characters that they've played, it's it's that always gets me, right? Because you mm -hmm. you kind of only remember them from the first one the most. Yeah, and I mean, I just the British talent, uh, the the British Scottish Irish talent that is around is astounding. And yeah, they all love to play in the same sandboxes. So cool. yeah, you'll always see that crossover. All right, what the hell should we watch this weekend with Steve Stebbing? Let us get started on these super fantastic list of movies that he has set out for us here. And now I've lost it. There it is. The Eyes <laughs> of Tammy Faye. We get started. Jesus keeps a ticking me higher and higher. Jim will preach and I'll sing. to be poor. pleasure. Now God has a voice in this fight. Who's he fighting? Liberal agenda, homosexual agenda. Faith isn't political. You can't talk to him like that. Jerry Falwell is a powerful man, Tammy Faye. 
She's a firecracker, Jim. Faith's not political. Right. <laughs> One of the cool things about uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker was what they exposed in the end mm. about politics and some of those super mega church things. Tell us about the show. Yeah, and th- this is a really interesting one, and I've actually been looking forward to it because it's uh, Michael Showalk Walter, is the, uh, who is the director of The Big Sick, is kind of making a, a weird turn by doing a biopic. And a lot of people probably roll their eyes and be like, okay, well, this is super Oscar baity. But um, Jessica Chastain taking on this Tammy Faye Baker role and kind of getting all chameleon like in doing it is some of the stuff that I kind of like deep down love if it's done really well. And to be honest, Chastain is the reason to watch this movie. Uh, some of the story starts to meander here and there, and it does have its striking points, but she is always on fire uh, anytime she's on screen. And I also really like the casting for Jim Baker because it was uh, an ex-Spider-Man, uh, Andrew Garfield, that plays the role. And I think he does it really well. Uh, one of the great uh, character actors out there right now. And he's happens to be British as well. So it works. Um, there you go. Bestsellers next on the list. We need relevant writers that can make us relevant again. Is there anyone dead we can revive? Maybe, but he's not dead. Who? Harrison. He's dead. Back her off. Dragon. Really? I mean, he's what was it? probably. Did you know he shot his last assistant because he mistook him for a bear? Oh, I how don't how is that. that even possible? I don't. You can't believe everything. Oh, we're not bears. We're not bears. <laughs> All right. Tell us about bestsellers there, Steve Stebbing. Yeah, it's a comedy drama, and it's got Aubrey Plaza from uh, Parks and Recreation, uh, an actress I really like who's seeming to be branching out more into her dramatic side and everything, uh, and plays this one really well. Um, she is a the heir to uh, her father's uh, publishing empire, which is crumbling rapidly as she keeps making uh, bad decisions in who she's signing until she comes across one of her father's original clients, Harris Shaw, played by Michael Kane, who is just a horribly uh, cantankerous, uh, reclusive, and just booze-addled author who hasn't published anything in decades. And she gets one of his manuscripts and decides, well, let's publish it. Let's go on a book tour and everything. And it turns out to be uh, quite the nightmare. Next on What the Hell Should We Watch This Weekend, Prisoners of the Ghostland. Just beyond the point where we now stand lies a highway where evil reigns. What is this? At the end of five days, if you have not returned with Benice, well, I think you get the idea, son. Godspeed. This is the ghost land. A land of no escape. Okay, so um, let's just call it for what it is. You have a bromance for Nicolas Cage. I do. And... You are biased, whether it's good or bad, you will always say it's awesome, and uh, he's in this movie, so that's why it's here. Yes, exactly, and I mean, this is a post-apocalyptic samurai art film in the weirdest of ways. Basically, he plays a a loner uh, bank robber looking for redemption, looking for a a path to uh, some sort of enlightenment, and he is tasked with finding uh, the local gangster warlord's uh, adopted daughter through uh, a brutal wasteland of just bloodthirsty people looking to kill him at every turn. 
And yeah, this is Nicolas Cage turning it up to 12 again and just seeing what flies. And it's just, you know, he said that this is the most fun that he's had making movies in the last while. And you can tell through the, through the product. So, um, yeah, I just keep bringing it on. And I'm uh, I'm the, I'm like so high up in the Nicolas Cage fan club, I think. Cool. There it is. You could be the president of the fan club. Steve Stebbing. <laughs> I want to. Those are. Those are the new releases. Let's get to the Blu-rays that have come out in Black Widow. Before I was an Avenger. I mean, mistakes. And a lot of enemies. His call signs Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated. Fully conscious, but no choices. I should have come back for you. ScarJo is the best. Lots of controversy mm-hmm. around this show between the yes. public release, the streaming release, and now it's already for Blu-ray. Yeah, and uh, there is the lawsuit is currently going on because uh, ScarJo is suing Disney over um, the change in, in the pay scale and everything that happened through this. Um, yeah, she's supposed and, to get paid on ticket sales, but then they released yes. it online at the same. So she wouldn't get paid for that part the same yeah. way. And that was a yeah. bit of a surprise. And she's just basically saying, look, you changed the move the goalposts and I'm, mm-hmm. you made it available elsewhere. So I don't get paid. Yeah. So interesting yeah, exactly. to see how it comes up. Yeah. And I, I hope that, uh, now that this one is on, uh, on, on easier to get released than the premier access that they had it on Disney plus that, uh, that doesn't mar people's interest in it because um a lot of people are saying formulate it was formulaic but i really enjoyed it i think this movie um was a long time coming and maybe by this point it was like too long in in black widow's story to to garner the same interest as it would have a few years ago but i still think it was a lot of fun uh florence Pugh, uh david harbour and rachel vice are also really great in this one and round out the ensemble really nicely and um i mean the action is great and there's a the third act set piece i thought was just dazzling on on the big screen so it'll be really cool to watch it again on blu-ray all right, what the hell should we watch this weekend with Steve Stebbing? Uh, let's get Zola. Hey, last month I went dancing at this cute spot in Florida where my roommate's girl made like five G's a night. Because of my we just met yesterday and you already trying to take whole trips together? Be ready by two. Hi, bitch! You want to hear a story about how me and this bitch fell out? It's kind of long, but it's full of suspense. You want to go somewhere with me? That's my face. All right, tell us about Zola, buddy. Yeah, this is a crazy uh, bender of an odyssey that goes from Detroit to the dirtiest parts of Florida. Uh, And it's all based on a 148 tweet uh, long Twitter thread uh, that basically told the story of this manipulative girl named Stephanie that uh, saw a waitress that she thought she could hit it off with and the two went on this uh, trip down to Florida to make a bunch of money uh, dancing at the clubs and everything and then it gets dangerous with kind of like a mysterious pimp 
uh, some Tampa gangsters. Like there is just a lot that goes on in this story. And uh, the lead actress, she never has never been in a big role before. Taylor Page just just annihilates this role. She's so good in it. And uh, Riley Kehoe, who also happens to be uh, Elvis's granddaughter, uh, this is probably the performance of her career. Just and, and she's had many great performances, but this one is just mind blowing. So good. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.